Welcome to this edition of Fraud Talk, the ACFE's monthly podcast. I'm Emily Primo, Associate Editor of Fraud Magazine, and I'm joined by Jason Zirkel, the ACFE's Training Director. Thanks for joining us, Jason. Thanks for having me. Great. So we're in a unique position today because we're going to talk about disaster fraud as the world deals with the COVID-19 pandemic. And while much of the conversation deals with the spread and fallout of the disease, we're going to discuss how disasters like this are ripe for scams. Um, and it's not just pandemics, but also hurricanes and tornadoes and such. So um, let's start kind of more general and talk about why fraudsters target the vulnerable during times of natural disaster. Sure. So um, the first place we got to start is, you know, focusing on serial fraudsters and serial fraudsters, you know, they think differently than most of us at, at, at some point in their criminal career, you know, they've overcome that idea of guilt and having to rationalize their bad behavior. So, um, you know, they do nothing but sit around and, and try to come up with ways to defraud people. And the issue with disaster fraud is that it becomes this perfect storm, right? You have these, you know, you have these guys that are doing nothing but sitting around and trying to come up with ways to defraud people. And then now you have um, a situation where people are kind of looking the other way. So governments, law enforcement, uh, you know, regulators that may have some say in um, overseeing uh, fraud controls at companies. Um, all those those people are too busy dealing with the, the disaster to, you know, temporarily worry about fraud. And then you have us, you have the consumers, and most of us probably feel like we're pretty savvy at spotting, you know, that fraudulent email. I mean, we live in those days where, you know, the, the Nigerian prince um, email scam um, you know, we've kind of grown up with that. So we, we normally think of ourselves as pretty savvy, but uh, in the times of a, of a natural disaster, we are focused on something else. Maybe we're focused on, you know, having to put food on the table or where we're going to, you know, live if, if there's been damage to our home. So we are no longer thinking about fraud. So that is the perfect time for these fraudsters to strike. And these people, again, they think differently than most of us. They have no problems. Um, defrauding elderly people. They have no problems defrauding uh, normal people that are at a, in a very vulnerable state. And so this just becomes kind of this perfect storm where it's a great time for the fraudsters to strike because we're looking in the other direction. Yeah, that makes sense. So what kinds of fraud schemes are these uh, criminals thinking about while the government is looking the other way? What are they thinking they're going to do to the vulnerable? So when it comes to the serial fraudsters, and, and we're probably going to get into a, a couple of different, I guess you would say types of fraudsters, but the serial fraudsters, the guys that are doing this um, year round that are already committing fraud, um, they're going to do all the same things that they're already doing that we're familiar with. They're just going to ramp them up in, in, in the aftermath of a natural disaster. And we're talking like the identity theft, um, phishing, um, when they induce you, they send you an email that's unsolicited and they trick you into clicking a link. And that link will download malware onto your computer that may steal, you know, email credentials or steal information off your computer. And then you have social engineering where they, where they call you and they pretend to be somebody else. Let's say it's the, the, the grandchild in need scam where they call an elderly person and say, Hey, uh, grandma, you know, this, this disaster is, is really, you know, I can't get home. I need you to send me money. Um, 
and then you've got charity fraud. You've got uh, you know guys that are out there that are, that, that are purporting to be soliciting donations for a charity that is bogus. So all of these types of fraud that they're doing normally um, are just going to be ramped up during a natural disaster. And now they have this great, um, um, you know, the great reason for you to be more vulnerable. For example, with phishing, um, you know, you've got a lot of consumers that are out there and they are wanting news on the disaster. And they're wanting news, for example, right now in the, the, the COVID-19 epidemic, people are wanting to get news on what's happening in their areas. So it's a great time for a fraudster to send you an email um, saying, hey, click here for news on coronavirus um, infections in your area. And then you'll click the link and it'll download malware. So again, um, all of the normal types of fraud you see like identity theft, phishing, social engineering, cyber fraud are there. They just now have a, a, an even better way of, of, of uh, defrauding you and getting you to click that malicious link. Um, in the aftermath of a natural disaster. So those are the serial fraudsters. And then we can move on to other fraudsters like contractors. Um, and now usually with contract fraud, this is gonna apply when you know you have property damage, not necessarily um, COVID-19, but let's say a, an earthquake or a hurricane. And that's just when a contractor lies to you about the amount of damage on your home in order to sell you services that you don't need. And so we have serial fraudsters, we have uh, contractor fraud, uh, insurance fraud, uh, and this is when, um, this is kind of the other side of it, when the consumer themselves um, um, looks at the situation and sees an opportunity to uh, commit a, an individual fraud. And so what they'll do is they'll um, submit a fraudulent insurance claim and overstate the amount of damage that was done to their home. And in addition to all of that, uh, you also have corporate fraud. You know, all the corporate fraud, fraud that we already have to uh, deal with, like misappropriation of, of uh, assets, payroll schemes, those are all also uh, um, hyped up during a natural disaster because um, operations for the company may uh, not be what they normally are. You may have people working from home. So fraud controls start to fall by the wayside. So there's just, there's so many different directions that fraud can come from after a natural disaster. It sounds like a lot of fraud schemes we see in everyday life, but just really ramped up because of the times. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what it is. I mean, it's uh, people saying, hey, um, operations are not normal right now for the company. Um, I think I can probably get away with stealing inventory or a, a, a homeowner says, you know what, I'm probably not going to get this chance down the road. I can submit this false claim and get paid. Uh, a serial fraudster is going to say, hey, this is a great time to send malicious links out to people because people are looking for stuff to click on. It just becomes everything that you already see with fraud becomes heightened after a natural disaster. Yeah. So you touched on a couple of uh, potential schemes that people could see specifically during times right now with the COVID-19 pandemic, but could you go into a little more detail about how criminals are currently capitalizing on this um, disease and pandemic that has spread worldwide? Sure. Well, you know, as everybody know, we're in the middle of this and it, you know, COVID-19 has already uh, changed the world. I mean, uh, most of us have not seen whole entire states 
um, issue shelter in place orders for their citizens. So we are in unprecedented times. And, you know, this is obviously the type of natural disaster that's not causing property damage. So we may not see the, the insurance and contractor fraud that we, we may see, say, after a hurricane, but we've seen a huge uptick already in all of the, the other stuff, like the serial fraud schemes. One big one that's come about is phishing. Um, so, you know, beginning, you know, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic started back in uh, December in China, and within a month, you had cybersecurity for firms that were reporting uh, malicious websites. And I think um, one reported that there was uh, over 4,000 new domain names registered that had something to do with coronavirus. And a majority of those were already getting no, um, you know, hits as, as having malicious code attached to them. And then you had um, pretty early on too, I think in January, February, um, uh, Kaspersky and a couple of other uh, companies had identified these email uh, phishing scams that purported to be from the CDC or the World Health Organization that were just getting unsolicited sent out to people um, telling people, hey, click here if you want information on the coronavirus. And so the person would click on the link and then they it would download malware or it would have them um, rerouted to another website where they would enter their email credentials in, their email address and their password. And then it would spit them out onto the Who's a legitimate website. And so the, the, the person who clicked the link didn't know that their email address and their password was logged. They just got pushed out to the Who's website and they, they didn't know that they had already, uh, the damage had already been done. So the phishing has really taken off and there have been quite a few uh, news stories already out there with the phishing ramping up. Um, another uh, area for fraud, uh, specifically right now with um, COVID-19, is the product scams. So about two weeks ago, the, the Federal Trade Commission and the FDA sent letters to seven companies um, telling them that they were, you know, we, we have seen that you guys are offering coronavirus-related products that appear to not be legitimate, and you basically need to quit doing that. And... Um, this included uh, sales of, of things like colloidal silver, which is a, um, a supplement that, um, that many websites have claimed can cure coronavirus. Uh, you've seen other you know, essential oils companies, people that are making bogus claims that these can treat coronavirus when in reality they cannot. And so the FTC and FDA sent out those letters and several of those um, websites and in particular, the Jim Baker show, he uh, you know, runs a radio show, um, were actually sued by several uh, state attorney generals for the same claims. And uh, in addition to you know, the, the websites and everything, you have the legitimate websites like Amazon and eBay and even Walmart, their online store, where they allow third-party sellers to come in and sell products. Well, they're having issues with third-party vendors selling uh, products with fraudulent claims. And I think Amazon even reported that they'd, they'd removed over a million listings for either price gouging or fraudulent claims. So um, those are some of the big ones we're seeing with coronavirus. There's some others that we're not really getting concrete uh, examples of, but I'm pretty sure they're happening. All the, the corporate fraud that we talked about, uh, business email compromise schemes, where uh, you know, in the aftermath of a, of a natural disaster, or I'm sure it's happening right now, 
where uh, the, the fraudster will identify somebody that works in the finance department at the company. They will send them a spoofed email uh, purporting to be from the CEO or someone else and say, hey, you need to wire money um, to this account. And, um, and then they send it out and then they don't get the money back. And only later do they find out that it was a, a bogus email. A social engineering, I know that's probably picked up, um, even though we don't have any concrete examples of just uh, people calling into companies uh, purporting to be from the CDC or who, um, you know, um, requesting information. Um, now, there is one that we, uh, we have seen investment fraud. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the SEC sent out a notice. Uh, it was an investor alert, and it was specifically on pump and dump scams mm. and related to COVID-19. And what the, the investor uh, alert said was, beware, because we've, uh, we've seen at least two companies that are um, offering um, um, coronavirus-related products, and then you're going to have these brokers that will come in and convince you to invest in these essentially penny stocks uh, for these companies that are offering these products. And then it, that will inflate the price of the, uh, the stock. And then the, the broker who also has stock will sell it and make a profit. And then when they sell their shares, the price will plummet. So that's a pump and dump scheme. And the SEC has already uh, sanctioned two companies for, for engaging in that behavior. In addition to all that, again, I know this is a lot of fraud, a lot of information, but we, we're seeing a lot right now, but you have the fake charity and crowdfunding scams. So in a, in a natural disaster, like right now, you're going to have um, uh, serial fraudsters that are out there uh, soliciting donations on behalf of a bogus charity. And the problem is um, that these guys tend to be smooth talkers. And so you will... Um, you know, they'll solicit donations either online or via the phone, and they'll, they'll tell you a great story of their charity and everything that they're doing coronavirus, but it's a bogus, it's a bogus uh, uh, charity, and they're just trying to get that money from you. And so, again, with charity scams, do your homework. There are a lot of websites out there that you can, you can check to uh, make sure that the charity is uh, legitimate. And then on top of all that, you have the price gouging. And that's not necessarily fraud, but it's, it's a form of fraud. But it's basically, you know, it's, it's the illegal um, increase in price for, um, for, you know, services or for products that are necessary for coronavirus. You've got masks, you can have uh, hand wipes, that kind of thing. There's been a couple of news stories about people that have gone out there and, and purchased up all of the hand sanitizer in a certain area and they turn around and they sell it for, you know, 10 times uh, retail. And so those are some of the things that we're seeing. The, the phishing is a big one right now, the product scams, the corporate fraud, the investment fraud, uh, the fake charity scams, and then the, the price gouging. So you actually kind of went into my next question briefly there when you were talking about charity schemes, uh, charity fraud schemes, um, about how people can protect themselves and make sure that the links that you're clicking are legit and that the what they're asking money for is actually um, legitimate. So can you go into a little more depth on how people can protect themselves during these types, during these times and from these schemes? Because already people are feeling panicked and um, feeling like it's a dire situation. And I'm sure that they're not taking that 
one second to look something up. So can you just remind everybody what they can do to protect themselves? Yeah, you know, and a lot of this is stuff that you should really be doing in your everyday life anyway. But the biggest thing that most consumers can do is to just stay on top of their bank accounts and their credit reports. So, you know, make sure you're, you're signed up for online banking, uh, monitor your bank accounts, because that's, that's going to be, you know, if a serial fraudster targets you and uh, somehow accesses your bank account, they're going after your cash. That's what they want. So you just need to be monitoring that for any transactions that you don't uh, recognize. You know, my wife and I, we have online banking and probably about once every week or two, we're asking each other, hey, did you use the credit card, you know, at, at this retailer? So anything like that, we're talking to each other. And right now it's a great time to do that. You got a lot of people that are sitting at home. Uh, sure, a lot of us are busy, but you can't slack up on that stuff. That This is, this is exactly the time when you should be taking a little bit of time uh, looking at your credit report. You know, you've got websites like Experian that offer free services that will notify you by email if any changes have occurred with your credit report. In other words, if a, if a new credit line has been taken out in your name. So these are the biggest things that people can do is make sure you're monitoring your bank account, make sure you're monitoring any retirement or investment accounts, and then make sure you're, you're monitoring your, your credit reports. That's the first and foremost thing. But when it comes to all this other stuff, uh, phishing, for example, be wary of unsolicited emails. If you uh, didn't ask for it or sign up for it, you need to be wary. And any emails from the CDC or the WHO, uh, you need to be uh, aware of the, the uh, link itself. So for example, if you hover over a link, you can see uh, where the, that click is gonna take you. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but you can actually have the link have a different text than where it's going to take you. So in other words, I can type in the text cdc.gov, but then I can go in and hyperlink that to a completely different website. And the only way you're going to know that is if you hover over that and, um, and make sure that you're actually going to the CDC's website and not some other website that looks unfamiliar. So phishing, again, check the websites, check the email addresses. Make sure that they're not slight variations of the legitimate, like uh, uh, instead of cdc.gov, it's like, say, cdcinfo.org. That might be something that, that is not legitimate. So don't click any links or attachments from unknown sources and make sure before you click that link, if it looks like something that you, you uh, did sign up for, you can hover over that to make sure that it's not taking you to a different space. Um, product fraud. Read through the um, read through the sellers' pages. Read through their uh, reviews. Uh, make sure that there a lot of people aren't saying, "Hey, this guy's a scam," you know, a scammer. I, I sent him money. He didn't send me the the product. Beware of price gouging. Um, contractor fraud again, not necessarily for coronavirus, but in the aftermath of any a natural disaster that's going to cause property damage. Uh, make sure that you uh, you get. Um, at least three different uh, bids from three different contractors. Make sure you do your homework. We tell everybody, trust but verify. You know, I think one of the issues with contractor fraud is that you you meet with a guy and let's say he he seems really great. He seems like his his bid is is pretty reasonable. So you decide, well, let's go just go with him. But you didn't do your homework. You didn't look him up on the Better Business Bureau. You didn't look him up on Yelp. You just decided, well, I need to get the work done anyway. So let me just go with this guy. It doesn't take that much effort to do your homework. Again, trust but verify. 
the corporate fraud, um, any, any corporation that um, has fraud controls in place, don't ease up on those fraud controls. Again, your operations may have changed. You may have people working from home. This may be new territory for you, but um, make sure you're still focusing on those fraud controls. Um, and when it comes to insurance uh, fraud, most insurance companies have already gotten pretty good at identifying uh, fraudulent claims. Um, but a lot of that involves just focusing extra attention on these claims in the, in the um, immediate aftermath of a natural disaster. So, for example, if, a, if an insurance claim is from a, a shop owner and let's say their shop is only like 500 square feet, but they're um, claiming, you know, several million dollars in, in damage for lost merchandise, that might be a red flag. And with charities, it's kind of the same way with contractors. Do your homework. Trust but verify. You can, there's a lot of great websites out there like Charity Navigator that you can go to to research that charity and find out if it's legitimate. Awesome. So this is all ways that consumer can uh, protect themselves. But we have the, at the ACFE more than 85,000 fraud examiners worldwide. What can they be doing to help during times of a natural disaster? First off, I mean, if you're a, a uh, fraud examiner that's working for a company, let's say in like internal audit or something like that, you, you should build this stuff into your fraud risk assessment and your fraud risk management program. You should already uh, be thinking in terms of like an event type fraud, like a natural disaster. Let's say uh, maybe after a natural disaster, you reach out to key personnel and uh, notify them, uh, for example, about the dangers of business email compromise or social engineering and going through that training. So there's lots of things that you can do at the company level. Now for just the community, I would just encourage um, you know, CFEs to, to be more vocal in their community. For example, right now we're all at home, we're all stuck. Um, you, know, you can reach out to people in your community. You can, uh, you can start a blog. You can um, uh, reach out to the city or the county and say, hey, um, we know that fraud is, is ticking up. Is there anything that I can do to help you guys put the word out about fraud in my community? So that, I feel like there's lots of uh, novel ways that you can think of to uh, put it out there on Nextdoor or put it out there on social media. I actually just uh, you know, posted a few things on Nextdoor warning my neighborhood of the dangers of fraud right now and saying, hey, just make sure you're, you're paying attention to phishing and you're not clicking on any uh, links and everything that we already talked about. Um, so, uh, social media is a great tool right now to put that word out in the community. And just really educating people who don't, who may not see this and who, um, don't know all of these ways to protect themselves. Yeah, because, you know, if, if you've got people that are not really thinking about fraud in general in their daily lives, they're definitely not thinking about it right now. They've got a lot of other things on their mind. They've got kids home. And they're having to figure out how to to uh, homeschool their kids. They've their you know their job is maybe in jeopardy. So fraud might be the last thing in their mind. But we need to tell people, hey, you're at home right now. Uh, you know, go and start monitoring your bank account. Go and start. Here's here's the uh, link to Experian where you can sign up for a, a free credit monitoring. Um, you know, here's the link to um, these different websites where you can read up on these types of fraud. Uh, those are the types of things that people need to be hearing right now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me this morning, Jason. Thanks for having me. This has been another edition of Fraud Talk.
You can find all of the ACFE's episodes at acfe.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Emily Primo signing off.